0: That's investher, H E R, com promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
1: Things are changing now, so it's the most important time ever to make sure you do your due diligence on the operators that you're putting your money into. Ask questions. Just because you had a great run with somebody, ask those questions on your future deals.
2: Best ever listeners, welcome to The Roundtable. I'm Slocum Reed, an apartment owner, operator, and investor-focused real estate agent in Cincinnati, Ohio. Today, I'm joined By Ash Patel and Travis Watts. The hosts of The Best Ever Show come together every week for a deep dive into a commercial real estate investing topic. And today, our topic is investors' goals. Each of us, Ash, Travis, and I are in positions where a lot of investors come to us for advice. And while I'm not talking about giving direct financial advice, people ask us, should I do this deal? What kind of investing should I be doing? And each of us has a version of the response. The first response we give is, it depends on your goals, your strategies, what deals you should be doing. No one is in a position to advise you until they know what it is your objectives are for investing. And really, you can't know what deals are right for you until you know your goals as well. So we're going to talk for this episode about how it is that we discuss goals with newer investors. Travis Watts, we're recording on a day that an episode of your actively passive show aired. And the first thing you talk about is making sure that investors know their goals before they get into a syndication. So when you tell people, you need to know what your goals are, how does that conversation typically go?
3: Sure, great question. And for anyone not familiar, Travis Watts, I'm a full time passive investor. So I do a lot of multifamily investing, but I'm also in self storage, mobile home parks, anything that's got a passive income focus and potentially some equity upside to it as well. So with that, yeah, interestingly enough, anything I ever say on my show or to anybody is just advice to myself. <laughs> so I always like to just say, you do you. I'm not out to tell people what to do or, or necessarily to. To give them advice—that's not what I'm trying to do. But to your point, I fully support and agree. It has to start with your goal. It just has to, and and not just a financial goal. I want a one million net worth. I want ten thousand a month passive income. You got to look beyond that. What are you trying to do with your life? What's the purpose? Why would you want a million dollars? Why would you want ten k passive income? Right. So I try to always make it emotional when I set a five year goal or a ten year goal. It's not just a number. It's whatever. Just to make up some examples, I'm going to retire my wife so that she can stay home with our child, right? And have all the that time and, and get that kind of support just as one example, right? So then I look at, okay, if that's the goal, then what kind of investment would be appropriate perhaps to get me to that goal. In other words, is it income-focused, passive income, or is it more growth-focused? And I'm trying to kind of buy low and sell high and build a net worth. Or maybe it's a hybrid of the two, like I kind of alluded to. And number three is just get educated. My favorite way to get educated is to find somebody out there in the world doing what it is you want to do successfully and just picking their brain, either on a paid basis or an unpaid basis basis. But there's, of course, podcasts like these. There's books. There's seminars. There's all kinds of ways. you got to get the fundamentals down of your education. And then the last part is you get into the weeds a bit with how to vet a deal, how to vet a sponsor, how to vet a market, assuming you're going to do, let's say, a syndication, stuff like that. So that's actually the very last thing, right? You got to put all the others in, in place before you get there. So that's kind of the high level of how I see it.
2: Ash, I know a big thing for you right now is demonstrating to real estate investors who focus on residential investing the opportunities made available to them if they move into non-residential commercial asset classes. How do an investor's goals shape the way that you talk to them about switching asset classes?
1: Yeah, good question. And best ever listeners, glad to be here, glad you're listening. Slocum. So a couple long winded answers to your question. One, I don't think I've ever specifically set out to educate investors, but what I have done is try to educate anybody around me that I feel would benefit from a conversation. So a lot of high net worth friends, doctors, lawyers, business owners, it's amazing. Even tenants, literally some of my high net worth tenants in commercial buildings. It's amazing how they've become so successful. They've put so much time and effort into their education or their business or their medical practice or their legal partnership that they don't spend any time or effort in building or managing their financial future, their own money, right? A lot of these guys and girls are giving their money to somebody else. And it's like, Hey, how do you invest your money? Oh, I got a guy. Really? How's your guy doing? Yeah, I think he does pretty well. How well? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Really, people that a lot of these high earners, they're making a lot of money and they give it to a financial advisor, planner, etc. and they have no idea how their money's doing, right? Even when they open up their college savings plans for their kids, you can easily monitor that online, but nobody ever has a clue. So really my education to people around me has always been spend some time and effort into taking control of your financial future. The goals is great, but at least start today and figuring out where you are, who's watching your money, who's helping you grow it. Have some due diligence behind that. Now, the second part of your question is, how do I get residential investors to look at commercial? And it's the same thing, man. It's just education. There's the fear of the retail apocalypse, commercials too hard, commercials too much money. And I try to encourage everybody, not just investors, but operators, people getting into real estate, realtors, brokers, everybody to look at commercial. It's just a lot less competition, a lot higher returns. And anybody that I've ever met who has done residential and graduated to commercial has never gone back to residential. So there's a lot of pros to becoming a residential investor, broker, operator, all of the above. Gosh. Sorry, i mean commercial, not residential.
2: All good. A follow-up question there, bringing this to the topic of investors' goals. Fill in the blanks on this statement. If you're a real estate investor and your goal is X then you should consider moving from residential to non-residential commercial investing. What is the X? What are the goals there that you see people are able to hit faster or more easily with those other asset classes?
1: If your goal is much higher returns, that's it. It's that simple. Right now, the multifamily realm is all the same. It's 7 or 8% PREF, 15 to 17% IRR, 5-year hold. Boring. 5 years ago it was 26% IRR and now everyone's settling for 15. Our last deal we did an 18% pref. That's unheard of with residential. Commercial deals the returns are just way higher.
2: You're saying that there's more cash flow in commercial deals at present especially and in large part I believe because there are fewer high caliber operators in the space so it's easier to get a hold of better deals. Let's talk specifically about the velocity of money. I want to know that I can force appreciation, turn around and sell a building or cash out refinance quickly because that is what is going to be best for my goals. Either because I need to be selling things and using those proceeds to cover my lifestyle or because I don't have that much capital to invest. So I'm looking to get it back quickly to move into other deals. Are you seeing that you can get your money in and out of deals in non-residential commercial as quickly as you can with residential, given that residential financing is so much more streamlined?
1: Yeah, way faster. Our holds are two to three years. I don't want to hold anything for five years. It just gets boring. I have a short attention span and our value add with residential multifamily, the value add is renovations, dog park, covered parking, washer and dryer, gym, nice amenities, common area. That's it. It's cookie cutter. And it takes a long time to renovate hundreds of apartments. With commercial, if we have a vacancy, we can fill that. Let's say we have a strip mall, 10 tenants, two are vacant. We fill that with a dollar general and a Domino's pizza. You've now added over a million dollars in value the day that those leases were signed.
2: Compared to apartment financing, I know looking at an apartment building in part because I'm an apartment investor, but also because there are not necessarily fewer variables, but it's such a large asset class and the assets are so similar. I have a really solid idea if I'm going to refinance this in two years. Outside of maybe the interest rate, and moving the LTV by 5%, depending on the appetite of lenders in the current economic climate, I know what my cash out refi loan is going to look like in two years. In commercial, assuming it's someone's goal to get their capital back in two, three years, if you want to keep the asset and keep the cash flow, are you as able in non-residential asset classes to predict what financing terms are going to look like two, three years from now?
1: Yeah, great question. And I think the fundamental difference here is I'm going to say you people, you people in the residential world and the multifamily people, a lot of you guys use lenders as commodities. You shop out loans, you try to get a quarter point off here in our world, man, our lenders are our partners. I've had the same lenders for 15 years on one, three years on another. I've never strayed from the two of them. And the benefit there is, I know any deal that I bring them, I know exactly what the terms are. One does 15% down, one does 20% down, both of which I had to earn over years of doing deals with them. So we know what the rates are, we know what the amortization is, we know what the down payment is. And if we want to do a cash out refi, we know what their thresholds are. And these are the same lenders that we always use. We don't have a reason to stray. I can get a half point off, quarter point off here and there on deals, but I would rather continue to nurture that relationship so that I know when I bring them a deal that's 50% vacant, it's no questions asked. They're going to get it done. If I were to shop this out with big banks, none of them would touch half the deals that I do. Big banks want stable, class A, whole food strip mall. They don't want a dollar general strip mall with three vacancies. So our lenders in our world are very, very important. And there are strategic partners, not just commodities.
2: So your ability to forecast into the future and your ability to hit your goals for returns and refinances and sales in the future depends a lot on the relationships that you build with lenders.
1: Yes. Even with big banks, I've had two big banks approach me and say, Hey, we want to refi all of your properties. And I thought, awesome, I'll probably get a half point lower on the interest. And these banks literally nitpicked everything that was stable for three or more years and fully leased. They didn't want anything newer or value add. And that's not fair to the lenders that were there for the whole ride with me. The lenders that took a chance on me in the beginning, I can't just take that away from them. So, yeah, man, again, this is how important our lenders are. We'll get
0: back to the show. a first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but... You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash bestever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash bestever to enroll today. Are you a real estate investor looking to break in the multifamily? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from high-level apartment investing experts while networking with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Corcoran, Jocko Willink will be there as well. Be sure to secure your tickets at mfincon.com to find out more VIP ticket holders can rub shoulders with these high-level speakers after their sessions. For details on sponsorship opportunities and tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use the promo code BESTEVER and get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com promo code BEST EVER.
2: Speaking about goals and making sure that the investment strategies that you go after are meeting your personal goals. Osh, the people I talk to about their goals tend to be in a different category. Not that they're not white collar, high income earning professionals, but they've already decided they want to be an active investor in some regard. They have some money saved. They want to get it deployed. They've heard about the advantages of real estate. What I almost always encourage people to have when it comes to a goal is that rubric of from X to Y by when. And I explained that the kinds of investment strategies that you should be involved in depend on, first of all, what is your when or your event horizon? Are you investing for a future that is two years from now, 20 years from now? Are you in a profession that you're looking to get out of or a profession that you want to have less control over your life and your finances? in the coming year, or is this more about retirement while you're currently in your thirties or forties, or is this about knowing that you're going to be able to pay for your kid's college, no matter what college they get into and your kids are five and seven. And then the from X to Y, how aggressive of a return are you looking to get and how much risk should you expect to take on? But also what types of investing strategies should you be looking at when it comes to the from x to y by when model generally speaking and without giving any particular financial advice of course when you know that an investor wants to be more aggressive they have larger cash flow and growth goals in a shorter time frame what investment strategies do you tend to recommend they look into let's go with travis
3: Sure. You guys have been bringing up some awesome points. That's what I love about these roundtables, too. We've got active and we've got very hands on or we've got smaller retail creative deals. And then the demographic I'm dealing with on a daily basis are mostly accredited investors of medical professionals and engineers and VPs and professional athletes and folks who genuinely Like what they do as a career, they are completely involved and focused on what they do for their active income. They do not want to necessarily branch away from that and do any kind of active real estate investing. And that's a whole different conversation because... I'm dealing with a lot of folks who traditionally are in the stock market, for example, right? They've got their IRAs and 401ks and these kinds of programs. They're not necessarily looking to retire early because they do enjoy what they're doing in most cases. So we're still looking at a normal time horizon, like say at 60 years old, maybe, or late 50s or something like that, because those accounts are themed that way. What a lot of people get uncomfortable with, Osh brought this up earlier, and I love this point. If you're looking for potentially higher returns. Or what I always look at is compared to the stock market and what I invest in, stability, consistency. So are the markets very consistent this year in the stocks, right? (laughs) And if your portfolio is sitting right now at 20% down or something like that, are you comfortable with that? Knowing that on average, let's say the stock market goes up 8% a year over the last hundred years or whatever the stats are. But if you're looking for potentially, like Osh pointed out, maybe more like a 15% overall return that pays out monthly, quarterly, whatever it is, half of that roughly being cash flow or whatever, then maybe that makes some sense from a diversification perspective. So that's just completely different. And to answer your question from earlier... I started actively myself, so I'm not at all in any means against active real estate. It's how I built up some net worth and the nest egg, so to speak, to where I could be more hands off if I chose to be. And that's what I did choose to be because I was overworked. I was in a W-2 job and I was burned out and I just needed some time for myself, quite frankly. So that's what led me to become a passive investor. So again, I love it. I love all of our perspectives. They all have so much validity to them. I'm just working with folks that are more included. They're not real estate experts per se, right? They're just folks looking to diversify and and try to get a a nice solid return long-term and compound their growth.
2: Travis, quick follow-up. When it comes to people who have more aggressive goals, being a master of passive investing yourself and the solid understanding you have of passive investing, People with aggressive goals, have you ever recommended that they look into active investing instead of remaining passive?
3: Yeah, so the conversation usually centers around, you looked into being a general partner, for example, let's flip the coin, right? I'm the LP, you be a GP. There's so many training programs and, and mentorship stuff that you can get involved with there. Quite frankly, assuming all things go well on either side of that coin, the returns could be insane. They could be 10x. I mean, it could be a big difference, but it's do you have that skill set? Do you have that interest? Do you have that passion? Do you think you can be competitive in that space? Is it really what you want to do? Because at the end of the day, that's what my message is to everybody is I would love to see more people pursuing the things they love and doing less of the things they don't. And we're all different. So for me personally, I don't want to be a GP. You could flash a 10X return in front of me. I don't want it because I wouldn't be good at it. I wouldn't enjoy it. And it's just not for me. But that's not to say anyone listening, it's not for you. It's something to look into for sure.
2: Ash, what about you? When is it that you advise that people be active as opposed to passive based on their goals?
1: Man, that's a good question. The only people I've advised to be active are really my tenants, my commercial tenants they're paying me rent. If they have the ability to buy the building that we're in, or if they have the ability to make their own real estate investments, I'll help them. And I've tried this. I have a mastermind where people will want to learn commercial real estate, but I've made the mistake of having a handful of friends in that mastermind. And it's me wanting them to get ahead. It's me wanting them to leave their W-2. And it's me thinking real estate is in their best interest. And I've learned, man, unless they want to do it, unless they're passionate about it, you can't convince somebody to be an active investor. You can throw it out there, your willingness to help. You could show them a tenant. Just yesterday, I had a tenant. It's a three unit building. He's paying me rent and this building doesn't do much for me. So I'd rather sell it. And I showed him where if he buys the building at a much higher than market price. It saves him money versus what he pays rent every month. So somebody like that, I would convince to try to be active. But man, I, I learned that lesson the hard way. You could try and convince people to get into commercial real estate, invest in this and that, but it's really what their passion is, and you can't make them drink the water. But I do lead a horse want to, the
2: water, but you can't make them invest in commercial real, yeah. real estate.
1: I also want to touch on your other point that Travis talked about. In terms of how do you evaluate risk return timing of your investors? My answer to that is very few investors know the number as to what percentage return they're looking for. Everybody wants the highest return possible. It's a few older, retired, high net worth people that I've come across that say, I would love to get a seven or 8% return on my money. Now, they obviously don't know a lot about real estate investing, but Everyone wants the highest return they can get. People have a difficult time establishing what level of risk they're willing to incur. Myself and my wife included, when we were young, met with a financial advisor and we filled out this risk return questionnaire, hundred questions. And at the end of the day, we contradicted ourselves on all the answers. Yeah, we wanted the high risk, high return, but we're not willing to lose money. How does that make any sense? And I think a lot of people that are not savvy investors would fall into that same category. The one thing that I make sure, anybody that I take money from, is that this is money that is expendable, right? It's money that they don't need. I don't want it to be a large portion of their liquidity. And I'll give you some good examples. I had a bunch of doctors and myself that were pitched A marijuana investment in Ohio. The deal was horrible, didn't make sense at all. And it wasn't my job to advise anybody because it wasn't my deal. I was there in the audience with everybody else. Well, a lot of these docs took out SBA loans and home equity loans to put money into this deal. And this was five years ago, and that deal went south. They lost a lot of money. So, anybody that invests in my deals, you better not be taking a home equity loan out. You better not take money away from your college for your kids. It better be pure discretionary funds that you don't need for some period of time.
2: Absolutely. A couple of points there, Ash. When there's the possibility of loss, a marijuana farm, I imagine, in Ohio, Ohio does not have the most pot friendly legislation like some other places. So you have to concede in an investment like that that there is some speculation and that there's high risk. So unless you have goals that necessitated a high level of risk because of how aggressive your return goals are, yes, absolutely. And make sure if you're investing passively, this goes for the vast majority of people we talk to, if not every single person that we talk to, don't invest money that you can't afford to not have. Whether it be for, depending on the deal, two years, five years, 10 years, don't invest money that you can't afford to not have for sure. Do either of you have any final thoughts on helping commercial real estate investors understand their goals so that they can make better investing decisions?
3: Sure, just a couple of quick thoughts. Risk is hugely important, as you pointed out, not talked about enough. It's a critical conversation. It is hard though for everybody to be able to articulate that. I have a friend, he trades stocks and we always have our little debates on the phone about real estate and cash flow versus growth and the things he does. And his perspective for many years was, why would I consider like a 15 or 20% return in these deals that you do when I could get a 75% annualized return doing this trading stuff? But the reality is he's underwater today. It's been six years he's been trading, and he's never turned a consistent profit. And overall, he's at a loss. So it's a conversation that should be had. It's not just chasing yield and returns. And I made that mistake early on as a passive investor. There was one deal that it looked so great on the pro forma, but it was a super naive group that didn't know what they were doing. And we ended up with a really crappy return and we didn't lose money, but it was certainly nowhere near what they thought they could do because they couldn't do it. So <laughs> that's why I say the more your education goes up, the more your risk comes down. So for some people, the things that Osh talks about or maybe any of us would talk about seem extremely risky. Because you hear things like 30% return and you think, oh my God, that's a Ponzi scheme or something. I don't know what that is because they're used to putting their money in the bank at 1%. They're used to investing in bonds that pay 3%. They're used to a stock market return at 8% or negative 20% this year, whatever. So yeah, 30% seems a little too good to be true. But the more you learn, like Osh said, you can't lead somebody or make them drink the water. But you just try to throw it out there. You just try to educate and it's a numbers game. Maybe five, 6% of people that hear the message are really into that kind of thing and the rest aren't and you got to move on and let it go.
2: Yeah,
1: Slocum, your question was specific to advice to commercial real estate investors. And my advice is over the last 10 years, we've had a hell of a run. It was hard to not make money in real estate. We had interest rates very low, cap rates much higher than interest rates. Today, things are changing. We still have people buying deals in the high threes for cap rates. And interest rates have gone up significantly over the last 30 days. So there's going to be a lot of headwinds for these operators. You've got to do your due diligence. Their exit cap rate, their exit plan has to take into account the changing environment with obtaining capital from lenders. And it's not going to be as rosy as it's been in the past where everything was in your favor. Rents were going up. Interest rates were going down. Things are changing now. So it's the most important time ever to make sure you do your due diligence on the operators that you're putting your money into. Ask questions just because you had a great run with somebody. Ask those questions on your future deals.
2: My last point here. Thank you, Ash and Travis. Ash, you you talked about how the vast majority of investors don't actually know what return it is that they want. They just know that they want them to to be high. I come across a lot of people like that. And to Travis's point, a lot of people who are coming, in my case, not necessarily from savings account and bond returns, but stock market returns and looking for something that's going to have a higher yield than that. My first recommendation is that people have a goal that they can quantify whether it is an amount of growth or an amount of cash flow per month or per year. And they put a deadline on it and they figure out from X to Y by when, what is the numerical quantifiable objective and what is the deadline for that objective? When you have that kind of clarity and you have an understanding of the resources available to you, particularly with your capital, but also with your time, that is what gives you the ability to figure out what returns you need And figuring out what returns you need will help you understand whether or not a deal is too risky, whether or not you need a deal that has a higher ceiling and a lower floor, as it were. So Ash, Travis, thank you. Great conversation about goals and helping investors determine and hit their goals. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If we've had value to you with this episode, please subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend who's a commercial real estate investor who needs to hear a conversation about goal setting and advice in investing. Thank you and have a best every day. day.